I'm Adam Hergenrother. This is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. Today, I'm joined by Hallie. Hallie, good morning via Zoom. How are you? Great. You? Awesome. So we're super excited to kind of jump in today. You know, we're, we're kind of past the New Year's resolution part. We're past kind of the lessons, if you will, of 2020, 2021 and 2020 and 2021 and kind of moving on to 2022 so really what are the top five leadership trends um, that are going to be unfolding as it relates necessarily to business um, in 2022 and i think that's really kind of where we start this conversation but before we do i think it's really important to kind of highlight um and we wrote an article recently about this about in 2020 it was really the year of kind of uncertainty and pivoting right and almost to the point i was listening to this podcast earlier this morning and they talked about how in the beginning of 2020 there was a lot of like um rallied, we're going to get through this together type philosophy. Did you know, did you feel that? It almost kind of went into the summer a little bit. And then in the summer, it kind of started breaking, right? Like it was more of like divisions. It was the political environment came in because there was an election. Like it kind of really started kind of bifurcating. So it really kind of created even more uncertainty um, uh, and, and, and pivoting from different groups during that, during that time. So 2020 was this kind of like, we're going to wrap. I remember having the first call in March of 2020 being like, we're all going to get this together. We're going to rally this. And frankly, we did right we, we continued to rally as an organization but I felt like the whole there was a consensus to kind of rally around this and then it kind of started breaking because of a lot of different different situations that well, are, I think we also didn't thought it was only gonna happen yeah the full the full extent like three of, yes. three months or something like oh we can just push through it's gonna be three or four months and yeah it's gonna be uncertain and we're gonna have to figure out how to you know adjust to this new way of yeah. operating and new way of doing business but well, I remember when we were doing it, we were, you're like, I think we should, we, we need to figure out a plan for our uh, June uh, Project U event that we're doing uh, in Vermont. And it was like March or April. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This thing's going to be done in 30 days. Like, we're not even going to have this conversation. How you're like, oh, I think we should probably plan to not. Do you remember this? Do like, we should not do this yeah. in Vermont because Vermont at the time had basically restricted people from coming in or large groups gathering. I forget what the, which restriction yeah. that actually was. There yeah, there was. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 it's going to be like 30 days and we're out. Right. Like we're going to we're going to be out of this. And then, you know, that's why it's kind of this uncertainty because it just kept people had these beliefs and then it was uncertain and then there was pivot, then there was uncertainty, then there was more pivoting. And then that just created this kind of div this divisional kind of series, which created even more uncertainty for people and like who to trust, what not trust. We're not going to make it all about like the, the political or CDC or, or what was said, what was not said, but really 2020 was this kind of year of uncertainty and pivoting and, and pivoting. Then it was really funny because 2021, you know, the, the year of predictable unpredictability, right? It was like, you know, and really it kind of uh, towards the tail end of this is started leading into this really great reshuffling of jobs, careers, priorities in people's lives as evidence, right? Pretty clear. I think since, wait, what, right? Hallie, since like basically August or September, over 4 million people had quit their jobs every single month, right? Somewhere around there. Um, I think it was last month, by the way, I think in December is 4.5 million, which represented 3% of the entire workforce quit their jobs in a single month, which was astonishing. And even during the break, of the past, you know, the two weeks that occurred prior to New Year's or even right after New Year's for a couple of days, it was the most quiet I've ever seen business in, in general, like in 17 years of kind of being in the workforce and business environment, I don't think I've ever seen it that quiet before. Um, it, it, no, certainly there was people that worked and there was, there was those things, but generally speaking during that period of time, it wasn't, I think it was just a, 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 um, a, a kind of a, 
a dial tone of to where people were mentally, right? They just needed this break. They needed to kind of like almost kind of unite, kind of come together, do whatever they did. People did nothing more than anything, right? They just people, I mean, we were on our call the other day, even for Project U and people were, I'm like, what'd you guys do? And they're like, nothing. I just read a book. I slept in the noon, right? There's all these different things. It was like they needed that kind of reset. And I, I feel like there is a surgence of this. So again, I, I, we, we preface all this with coming up to the leadership trends as you can understand our thinking around this is that kind of 2020 was this year of kind of uncertainty and pivoting. 2021 was this really predictable unpredictability, right? And then towards the tail end, it started, all this reshuffling started to occur. And it's fascinating. It's the 4.5 million people or 4 million people that are quitting their jobs every single month. It's not like they're going home, right? The majority, some of them took a couple of weeks off or whatever they need for break, but people are actually reevaluating where they want to work, right? Based on the organization. So that leads us to really the top five trends that are leading into 2022. However, th- we believe that the year of 2022 is going to be about the employee right? It's really going to be about the employee. And of course, employees make up organizations. When people ask me what a business is, there, sure, there's a leader, there's a C-suite, right? But really, that leader couldn't get anything done without their employees, right? I mean, I just I speak personally, like, I, I don't know what I would do, right? Like it was without, without Hallie or Kim or other people that are around there that are, that are helping these things. So I think I it, businesses or companies even exist. Right? No, they don't. They, they don't. They don't exist without employees. I mean, that's the whole foundation of a company is its people. Yeah. Right. And I think that over the tailwind of 2021 was this evidence of like, Hey, we understand the value, the, the relationship between businesses and employees. However, there needs to be a stronger value on the employee. And I think that's what, when people started moving with their feet, that's what they were saying. Right. And that's why we believe that there's the five kind of trends are going to be around the employee. Wouldn't you agree, Hallie? Yeah, and I, and I think it's even more specifically, um, because I do think in years past, we can point to lots of like the tech companies who may have created lots of these different perks for their employees and all of these things. So, you know, we might think, oh, well, isn't, hasn't, we are, haven't already been there, done that. And I think the difference here is, is it's the year of the employee and focusing on employees, but also specifically their, the, the individuality of that yeah. employee, not just creating one big blanket program or one big blanket, you know, Requiem for the employees, but actually really more honoring the individual, their choices, um, their needs, their wants, their how they want to work, how they want to show up, um, and the the individual contribution that they make. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it, it you know. In the article, we even talk about how like it's, it's really like this work-life presence, work-life integration, work-life balance, whatever kind of word kind of makes sense for you there. It's, it's, it doesn't mean you're not working, right? It, it doesn't mean that you just all of a sudden take up, but though it may to some people, they, they're going to be in different seasons of their life. Kind of what you're saying, everyone's in a different season. Some people are coming into a season that just want to work 70 hours a week, right? There's a season for me in my life that way. And other people are in different seasons where they're like, that's not where I want to go or they want to reshuffle. So it's the kind of like this whole totality of this work-life presence you can bring in. I love how Richard Branson says that he's like, it's just living work life. It's just living. And I think that's where the kind of that middle way or the Tao, if you will, is, is coming out into the environment and, it, and organizations that are not fostering an environment like that. Um, I believe are going to see way more higher turnover uh, than anything. And they'll probably try to make it up with high salaries, which only lasts for a period of time. I think, 
in addition, there are the increases in salaries people are seeing around now, but more importantly, people are looking for meaning in their work, right? I mean, that's re- they're looking for that, that that their work matters, that they're being valued, that um, that they're, that they're contributing. I would add freedom to that. Freedom, yeah. I, I just mean like freedom to choose the work. Um, it's called uh, job crafting. So freedom to, you know, maybe you're in a marketing position, but freedom to get, you know, involved in interesting projects or the freedom to choose how and when you work, um, the freedom to engage in the stuff that is meaningful to you. It's just that I, I do think that is the worker of the future. Yeah, I don't, I don't Or disagree. at least of now, of now this year. And the really interesting thing is like if you actually – provide that as an environment, I think your business thrives way beyond what it was before. Um, and that's what I think that it's almost like you don't want to let, let into that because you're afraid of the results that are going to happen. But in our experience so far, almost running an organization like that for since we started, um, I believe it's, 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 it's a, it's, it's a way that, um, treats people like adults so they can, so they then are much more accountable to their results and much more accountable to their, their contributions to whatever that means as an employee to the organization as well, too. So they take a lot more ownership over not just their role, but even ownership of the company and of the company's success when they have their individual, um, put their individual mark on their own role and on their contributions. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. So leadership trend number one, value the individual, right? What does that mean? Well, I mean, as we were just talking, we were just talking about, I think it's going to be really, I think it all has been important, but even more of an emphasis on making sure that um, you're cultivating an environment where people can bring their whole selves to work, whatever that means um, to that person. And, and and, and again, fostering that environment so people who you're hiring aren't afraid to bring their whole selves to work and can share that in the interview process. I mean, that's part of the reason why we interview the way that we interview um, so that we get to know that individual so we can see if they are going to even fit, not even in our job, but in our company. And if not, we can you know, share a different opportunity with them that is going to be able to in, in really unlock their potential as an individual while working and doing meaningful work. Yeah. It's really just, it's at the basic level, just valuing the person, right? I mean, you're, what you're saying is you're valuing their strengths. You're valuing where they can show up the best. You're valuing their, their, their highest ability to contribute to the organization, which by the way, is going to put them in a much better spot. Um, so it's really just kind of valuing, you know, the, the individual versus the kind of, like you said earlier, like this blanket kind of approach to everything. Now there's can be principles that people can apply that are more blanket that people can, that can use, but then individually people kind of bring that out within an organization. Um, so it, it's, it, again, we use the example of kind of the hiring process there. It's, it's, it's like Hallie said, is making sure that people are, that are really set up in a way that they are in the right positions. They're not stretched. Uh, another example is this is like just meeting with the individuals weekly to make sure they're, they're, um, they're having their priorities are being met, um, that you're, you're reviewing their work, um, there's just a lot of different ways if you just take the mindset of how do I value this person more? And I think it's, it's from the, at least from a business owner's perspective, it's kind of that, that shifting of your, of your thinking kind of going into work. And one of the techniques that I always do is before I get out of my car, I always kind of remind myself like, hey, I'm here to contribute mostly contribute to my employees, right. And, and contribute to what we're doing. I'm not here to get anything from them. And if you, that becomes that kind of that valuing of, I'm going to value to contribute from the contribution they're going to make, not necessarily what I can get. All right. What's number two? Transparent communication. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what do you think here? Well, I think that um, we live in a world where everything is pretty damn transparent between um, the fact that we live in a very voyeuristic world. There's, you have this like share happy culture on, on you know, when people have for dinner to what their relationship looks like to the vacations that they're going on. Um, so I, I do think that people, employees, it's, why, and why shouldn't they expect that same sort of kind of transparency at work? I do think it's almost expected at this point because everything is at their fingertips already. Why wouldn't they have that same level of expectation at work? Yeah, and I would even go a step further and say, I think there's a lot of people that don't have transparency in their personal lives. Um, and we need to be modeling that for people so they can actually bring that home and have transparency there as well, too. You're a very transparent person. So you, you, you naturally have that, but I just think there's a lot of families and different individuals and relationships that don't have that full transparency. So why doesn't business be that kind of that, that staple for here's what it can look like and here are the results that come from that. Um, you know, it's really interesting because obviously during the last couple of years during the pandemic, <laughs> if anything, transparency, has been this this conversation right about you know it's almost like different individuals that have kind of come out it's it's like i'm always right and you know you questioning something really doesn't necessarily matter whether it's right or wrong um and they're not being fully transparent throughout this process which is why a lot of people do not actually trust the health department right now right because there's conflicting information they're withholding different things and they come back out right i mean there's i don't know if you paid attention to that whole thing a couple of weeks ago where you know francis collins came out with that email if you saw that about it was a big kind of uproar if you will him and, and dr anthony fascia had an email correspondence going by and it, it got lifted and it got released to the public and it essentially kind of ruined his career who's like one of the head scientists for different things um because he was it was basically like we're the only people right why, why isn't everybody shutting down everybody else's opinion this is the way to do it and the whole science community was like that's not what science is born on that's not what it's actually you could be right but you need to be open to other people for you being wrong to different ways to be able to treat this and so that was actually locked and then it got released from the different things that are happening there and it's been an uproar in the science community and i think that that's the level of transparency it's like it's almost like people are afraid to tell people the truth so they can make their own decisions and i think at least from like the, the public health perspective from there and i'm certainly not an expert by this at all but i I think in businesses, um, you can be really real with people. For instance, like if all of a sudden your organization is in a certain phase, then it's going to a new phase. Like I'd even take our one of our organizations, for instance, it's more of like we've been around for a while, but now all of a sudden we're, rap, we're ramping up so much growth that it feels it's going to feel like a startup again for a couple of years, which that is a different um work ethic and that is a different involvement commitment to all those different things and you kind of wake up and say who's with you right and, and not in a bad way but just like this is what it's going to take it's going to take change in order to scale the company that you want to do and so you just be real about that this is what it's going to take to do and if and if that doesn't make sense for you then awesome um, but no it's that that transparency at every level if the organization is losing sales right it's not about like hey how do we cover that up to make it sound like we're not doing that so it doesn't feel like we need that where our organization isn't suffering it's about being real about that that, right. If there's a cultural problem, you're being real about that. If there's a morale issue, great. Right. One of our organizations, we had certain people came up and said, we had a morale issue. Great. We just addressed it right in, in, in meetings. Like, Hey, wh where do you guys think this is stemming from? If it's happening, it's happening, then address it. it you know, I think the key here is though, is when you're showing, um, and then leaders modeling this, right? So modeling transparency, but it doesn't mean, um, and, and I know, you know, I've talked about this a lot, Hallie, it's, 
when you're showing vulnerability, you also have to show strength. It's not vulnerability and weakness. And I, I had an example of, there was a, a president of a school who kind of wrote this letter during the beginning parts of the, and I'll just never forget this during the pandemic. Um, and, uh, it was just all weakness. <laughs> and there was, and you kept waiting for like him to come in and be like, well, here's what we're going to do. And this is why it's going to be important. All those different things. And it never came. And then all of a sudden people were in uproar. Like, oh my, this guy just go off the rocker. Like he was there. And I get what he was trying to do. He just didn't show any strength behind it. He was being very vulnerable. He was, but almost to the point where it was like, uh, like where's your kind of, how do you close this out? And he didn't close it out with strength. Oh, where's the leadership? Yeah. Where's there? the leadership? Like it, it's yeah. one thing to say, Hey, we're down 30% in our, in our sales. Okay. Where's the, this is what we got to do, right? Where's the action steps? Where's the leadership of being, how do you lead the organization out of this? That's what people are looking for. It's, if it's happened, it's happened, right? So that transparent communication, I think starts from modeling it, but really it's about, you know, addressing if things are going really well and you're scaling, addressing that, if things are going challenging, addressing that and just being open with people. And I think that's a, I think if the more people are really good about calling bullshit on people, whether they tell you that or not. And so I think it's just the more real you can be and open and not so concerned about what the outcome is for you, but more concerned with the outcome is for the organization. You kind of let go of that part of you and you needing it to be a certain way. So then you can actually go out and have the conversations that are going to actually change the organization in the first place. And I think the other thing I wanted to say is that you, and you kind of touched on it, is that even if you don't have the answer, people are looking for answers. So even if you don't have the answer, just even making sure that you're transparent about that and sharing, don't have the answer, but I'm working on a solution. I'll be, you know, I've got this meeting and this meeting, and then we will get back with everyone on Friday to let you know what's happening. Um, I, I do feel like that can be a tipping point between either continuing to foster trust or to lose trust with your employees. And as we know, in this environment that we're in right now with the, the reshuffling, every little piece of these trends that we're talking about add, either add up to having somebody with you long-term or can potentially not even add up, but so, detract and then mm -hmm. eventually that person may leave. Yeah. Yeah. And go somewhere else where they can have these things. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, I was going to say, uh, you know, what it comes to mind when I think about that, it's, it's humility and strength, right? It's almost like that you can use the word vulnerability, but I really think about like having a real sense of humility and what, what I, for me, that, that defines it as, I don't actually know what the real definition is, but for me, when I think about humility, it's about, I'm willing to, to come up with a solution, but I don't need to be right. I'm really, I'm willing to be wrong for the greater good of what that looks like. And then I'm going to lead whatever that decision is, whether it's mine or not. And I think a lot of times in businesses, there's a, there's a, a stereotype or a pressure on leadership at any level to feel like they need to be the one that is right because that's their position that they're in, which is the wrong way to think about it. The best way to think about this is to actually come up with the solution for the problem and then lead through once the solution is there, but not be right about the solution and then lead the solution that could be wrong. And so it's just that, yeah. that humility and strength with that humility means that Hallie and I, let's sit down. Yes, exactly. And let's find, let's figure out the solution. Then your job is to take that solution and lead as effectively as you possibly can. That's what I think of there. All right. Number three, the third leadership trend, personal growth focused on strengths. So what does that mean, Hallie? Well, again, again, so much of what we talk about, particularly in our businesses, it's all about personal growth through business. What better way to grow as a person than to experience all of the plethora of um, personalities and emotions and problems and successes that you have in a business environment? 
And we, again, we talk about that a lot, but I think the difference here is particularly for this year is going back to the individual and making sure that, I mean, personal growth is a personal thing, but, but making sure that you're also really focused on their strengths and knowing what those individual strengths are and then helping your team members, your employees work on those strengths to grow. Yeah. Can you give us an example? Well, if you have an employee whose strengths are in like maybe a technical area, well, that's great. And they want to maybe explore that more. So how can you help cultivate, cultivate that? Are you offering them additional training opportunities? Is there an opportunity to push them to actually go teach a course on that? So they learn what that looks like. Is it, do they need to continue to hone their leadership skills that they actually break out of the individual contributor role? and start doing, um, instead of being so hands-on in the business, they start working with a small team. That's just, that's just immediately yeah. what comes to mind. Yeah. Again, it's, so, it's so subjective and so specific to that person. Yeah. Um, but that's why it's so important to know the individual so then you actually know what solution or where, where to push them in their growth. Where to push them in their growth. The only way you actually know how to do that is by knowing them very well. Yeah, I think that's important to them. Agreed. I think people, when they hear personal growth, they almost get lost in the word about like, okay, how does that translate to an actual action? Now, people could, if you ask that, they would come up with an answer. Um, but I think like that personal growth, really, it's, it's how you're interacting with life. And that's really, it comes from like what your actions are. So personal growth could be helping somebody change how they think right? It could be, that could be a book that you find them in. That could be somebody you bring in there. Personal growth could be something about how they, what a different level of action they can take, right? Or helping them not work so much, right? That could be a personal growth thing or have them help take time for themselves. It could also be helping them become a better communicator. Um, it could be also helping them, you know, in a team environment to be able to contribute because maybe they couldn't contribute before because they felt inferior or whatever. I'm just giving example after example, but personal growth like that, what does it really mean? It means that when you know the individual, like you said, Hallie, you sit down with them and you really start helping them bring out, you focus on there where they can go and contribute. Um, and then that, whatever they they need to overcome or whatever you need to help them with, they're growing personally from that um, because of that new experience that they're having. But it comes knowing the individual. And if you, and if you create a, a plan, really like personal growth becomes the principle. And then the, it's like an all a cart system based on the individual that's there that needs to be applied. Again, I can think of people that we just said, Hey, you need to go read this book once a week and let's come back and talk about it. Or as like, Hey, why don't you go take this course or, um, or, or let's just get together and have a conversation about what that means to you. And, and so you almost kind of hearing people differently. You can use different tools that are doing it. So it's just designed to, when I think of personal growth and, and this is just my take on this is just anything that gets somebody to look at something different than the way they're doing it and then applies a different action is some level of personal growth, right? And so that could, and so if you, if you think about it from that angle, it, it's almost endless to how you can use it, which is why business is such a great opportunity because there's so many challenges that show up and there's so many different ways to work on yourself through business. Um, and that's kind of how I see it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was going to say that for, for me, it's, it is pretty much the same, um, but I just like to think of it as helping the individual employee, some, you know, person that I just know, my, my family, whatever, um, helping them become the best version of themselves and on their definition, not my definition. Yeah, of what that means. that's exactly right. Um, and, I, and I think, again, that's so important because I do think people are craving in the workplace, they're craving that autonomy and agency, they're craving the ability to job craft and, and have freedom of time and all of those things to create that best version of their life and the best version of themselves. And so how do we as employers or leaders help them do that through our business environment? 
So if there's a leader out there or an owner listening going, well, that sounds great, but I need people to show up for this meeting. So they can't just, they can't not be there, right? Like, what do you tell that person? I tell them that the person is needed at the meeting. They need to be at the meeting. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, what, you know what I mean though? Like somebody's like, this is well, like, yeah, gonna... you still can't have, I mean, there's the reality, yeah. there's reality of work. If you want to be paid for in an exchange, I need some yes. of your time. It's an, it's an equitable exchange here and you're exchanging time for money. It doesn't mean that you can't be creative with how you spend your time. But at the end of the day, if you are, have chosen to be an employee, you are exchanging your time for money. Yeah. It's different if you're going to go be an independent contractor. You have a little bit more freedom of your of your time there for sure. But there are certain expectations and certain deliverables that you have to achieve. And that doesn't mean that you still can't have that freedom of time. It just may look a little different. Would it be safe to say that you're the kind of like have the dance between that is more of like, let's get clear on what the results are. And then let's make sure that you and I are on the same page in the results. And how you get that result done is how you can craft your job. Is that is that a way of saying it? Sure. And, and I think you're also, you're also saying like crafting your time, crafting your time and crafting your job are two different things in my opinion. Um, so there's a little bit of that difference in you, right? So what are the non-negotiables? I need you here on this day, this day, yeah. this day for these three key leadership meetings. And I need these results to happen every month. Other than that, get creative on how you deliver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure people are doing that. Okay. Number four, the trend here, it's all about the employee. It's all about you. It, it, really, the funny thing, though, is that it's its about the employee, but it really, it's about you. It's about you becoming a better leader for the people that you're, you're leading. And as an employee, it's about becoming a better leader so that you can be a better leader inside an organization as well, too. So it's really all about focused on um, organizations instead of taking their eye on looking at the organization um, it's looking at the individuals that support the organization, which, because the result of the profit is a result of people, right? And so it's like, if profit's important, it's, it's, it, that's an aftermath. Actually, I was having a conversation with a top, you know, 10, uh, you know, uh, HR person, uh, fortune HR person. And he was telling me, he's like, you know, I would remove, if I can give you some feedback, I'd remove profit out of anything you do for like a number one top line, because that's just the result of people. And it's just a really good way of saying that. Um, and, and, uh, I'll hold on to that one for a little while. Right. It's just about that. Like profit just becomes a result. So make it about the employee. That's kind of what we're saying here and everything else will come about from there. And if it doesn't, you make changes, right? It just, but it, that profit is a result of how people are acting every single day. Inconsistency, right? Inconsistency in everything in their lives. That's a whole other thing. Number four, celebrate meaningful work. This one uh, um, is 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 really kind of um, important to me right now. Particularly, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at this, but it's people. There's been study after study uh, over the last couple of years, and I think this has been a, a a growing trend. I think it's just now people are putting words to it. People want to know that their work is meaningful, right? People just want to know. And they, I know I want to my work to be meaningful. I know you want your work to be meaningful. Now there's, there's two different ways to look at this and Hallie and I've been kind of going back and forth on this. Um, there's, there's the work that's meaningful to you. And then there's letting other people know that their work is actually meaningful. I think they're two kind of separate conversations. One is that like, Hey, Hallie, you did something and you may not have thought that was meaningful to you, but it was extremely meaningful to somebody else. And so I think as a leader, you can acknowledge where you may not have noticed that as meaningful, but let me pause you for a second and say, what you just did right there meant a lot to a lot of people. So therefore it was meaningful to that individual. And so I think as a leader, you're, you're letting people know that you are extremely meaningful, the, the work that they're doing when it's appropriate. It's not like you just go around and throw this out like a 
candy at a kid's party, right? It's like when they're doing actually meaningful work. But the key here is it doesn't have to be gigantic. It doesn't have to be some big presentation. It can literally be an email that they wrote to a client that was upset. Hey man, that was really meaningful. You, you really just, you took away the anger of that client. You saved a client. That's meaningful work, right? Because I think we get so caught up in thinking that meaning needs, well, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I think there's a general idea that at least for me, is that when, when people think about meaning, they think it has to be grandiose. They think they have to be like touching thousands or millions of people, which the reality is that's not true. Most times, unless you're doing a podcast or something that can be scaled out there, most of your actions aren't actually touching millions of people. Now, there are things that you can, and there's certain people that are, but the reality is most of the time, like if a movie is being produced, the majority of the time that they're producing the movie, they're not touching anybody else yet, right? At some point in scale, it can be, but it doesn't mean... Once the movie's playing, their work is already done. So it's it's interacting with the moment of the work that you're doing. That's when you're letting people know that it's meaningful. And a whole bunch of different examples from there. And if you if people that are um, that are know that their work is meaningful, are engaged, they're healthier, they're happier, they make better decisions, they have longer longevity with the organization. All things that are going to make the organization have a better profit, have a better name, have a better organization, and want more people to work there. And so that's why it's just when you can really let people know that their work is extremely meaningful and the times that it's doing, it, it, it makes people feel good and so that they want to show up more and, and, and how you said this earlier, just taking more ownership of their role um, because they know they're doing it versus just a, Hey, I'm showing up to work again. Right. That's just like, you're going through the motions and, and you can do that at any level. It can be a entry level to a leadership level. People can think they're going through the motions until they recognize how important their work is. You know, in real estate, I think, you know, agents get so caught up in this sometimes where they, they think like, Hey, it's another transaction. But the reality is, is, is if you're on the other side of that and you're a, a buyer, seller, an investor that's going through a transaction, it's your most important transaction. It's the most important thing you're doing for a while. And as we know, over the last couple of years, real estate's been been booming um, in there. So there's been a lot of moves and, and the real estate professional has been in the forefront of that. And so I stop and remind people, I'm like, hey, look, you know, if you were going to get heart surgery, you'd, you wouldn't want the heart surgery to go, hey, it's just another transaction. <laughs> hey, it's just another surgery. You want that person going, this is the most important surgery of your life. And I, I know that I get it. It's housing and, and surgery, but I'm using the example of like people get a lot of emotion around buying and selling a house. There's just a lot. There's fear. There's uncertainty. There's, there's move. There's just the, the family dynamics. There's all those different things. So you're at the forefront of these things. And it's really important that you recognize the contribution that you're making in that, in that, in that moment. Um, and so I think that's just in, in our, in our field, I think that's really important. Same thing on the building side, when you're building a house or building an apartment building, you, you can, it's really important to those different things. So, um, bottom line is you want your employees to know that they're doing meaningful work. So how do you do that? That's emails, that's conversations, that's, that's talking about it, uh, any way that you can it, it, when it's appropriate and then kind of use that as a staple. So the rest of the organization is following suit. It's an ad there, Hallie. Um, just again, making sure you're, you really know your individual, know your person, um, and that you acknowledge the meaningful work in a way that is meaningful to them or that is in a way that they would receive it. Um, for example, if you brought me up on stage to acknowledge some meaningful work that I did, I would hate it. Yes. And I would be very uncomfortable and embarrassed and whatever. Um, but if you just wrote me like a little handwritten note or shot, shot me an email acknowledging it, makes all the difference. So I'll just really knowing, but at the same point, you could have somebody that you would totally miss the mark on if you only sent them an email 
and they really wanted a big celebration. Yeah, that's exactly so it's just right. Really knowing, um, knowing your people so that you are acknowledging their work in, in a way that is important to them. Yeah, love that. Last one: encourage work-life presence, work-life living. Where do you go from there? Yeah, well, let's maybe let's talk about what work-life presence mean and how is it differentiated from work-life integration, work-life balance? Is it the same? Is it different? I think of it a little bit differently, but what do you think? Yeah, I think the. Um, I think really what that that work-life presence means to probably both of us is that when you, whatever activity you're engaged in, you're playing present. So that if you're, if you're at work, you are a hundred percent fully present at work. I think this is why a lot of people get burnt out. This is why a lot of people don't get efficiencies. This is why a lot of people don't get things done. They need to in a certain amount of hours. And then they don't feel like they can have any because they're actually just unfocused. They're like half in work or 75% there. Then they, they, there's 25% out and they're trying to always do this throughout their life. So there's never like this settling presence that they can go focus on until it's there. Right. And so, um, you think about it, if anybody's ever listened to this and they've, they've given a presentation, most people probably have, I promise you when you're up in front of people giving a presentation, you're not really thinking about, you're actually fully present most of the time for that presentation, I would say 95% of the time you're present for that presentation, aren't you? And you may be freaked out a little bit, but like you're still present for, you're not thinking about what's, what I'm going to do at home, right? Whereas I think a lot of times we do that. It's like, oh, I should be over here. I should be doing this. No, we'll choose what's most important and then play fully present in that. When I mean choose, choose the, the, what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to, what you're saying consistency on, right? You're choosing to and playing full present. Then when you're not in work, playing really presently, not in work. So when, if you go home, whatever time that is, don't go home and go, I need to check my work again, right? That's because then you're just, then you're half in your family, half not. And I know I can speak personally, like that's been an issue for me. And I've gotten, I've really worked on being better at that recently about when you go home to really, okay, I can, I, I have a certain period of time and you can use you, whatever it works for you. If it's a, if it's an hourly thing or, um, you, you you can put it in your calendar, whatever works. Uh, for me, I, I tend to go and when I go home, I take my phone and put it where my iPad goes, which is in a drawer. And so it just kind of goes in there. So it's kind of out of sight. I don't sure. I do. I have the temptation to go look at it. Absolutely. Still but it's a lot easier to say no to it if it's not two feet from me. Cause then sometimes when it's like two feet from me, like I don't need to look at it. Somehow like my hands just on it already. I'm like, what is wrong? Right. Maybe I'm the only one, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I shouldn't be looking. Then all of a sudden you're just grabbing it and you find yourself kind of looking at it. And so if it's a way, it's just much easier to be able to do that. And so that you're playing really present. It, by the way, I use the examples like going home to your, like a family. If you go just going home to yourself to be yourself, that's playing present with you too. So if you need to go do a meditation, you're doing exercise, you're just sitting there or you're just watching a TV show or whatever, you're playing a game, you're playing full presence. So that kind of work-life presence is whatever you decide to put your activity, that's the first decision is where am I putting my energy? And whatever you decide you put your energy, you're playing fully present in that moment. Now, just because you decide that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's going to be a challenge still because it's particularly this, 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 this kind of dopamine level that we like to go into, like one thing back to the next, to the next, and kind of thinking there. I think Angela Duckworth talks about this well when she says grit isn't about working sixty hours a week on five different things. It's about working sixty hours a week on one thing, and and that's that kind of like your that one thing to me is like whatever is in front of you that you have deemed the most important, and you're playing fully present in there. So. Uh- I'm totally with you on all of that definition. How do you, how do as leaders, if that's one of the important leadership trends of the year, how are we as leaders encouraging that for our employees when there's also a lot of business demands and there's sometimes expectations that you're on 
Yeah. There's always, there's, yeah, there's for one being very transparent about what the demands are. And if those, if, 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 if you're being transparent and those demands are not something that somebody wants to choose to live up to, that's a different conversation, right? So you're first, it kind of goes to this, again, the whole leadership principles here that were the trends that we're talking about is being fully transparent of what that's going to look like. Then once you've decided that's something you want to contribute to, you've, you've now have the clarity around what those expectations are. And now you play present with what that is. I think the first step though, by the way, is just actually having the conversation is actually is, is you trying to model that for one as a leader and then also just continuing to have the conversation about it. Right. I mean, when you want to teach somebody how to do different language, what do you do? You just keep talking in the new language. You keep learning, keep learning, keep learning, keep learning, and you just keep bringing it up. And so it's the same thing here. If you want to, if you want to teach more work-life presence in your organization, you either bring in a speaker, you have, you have the people read a book about it. You have conversations about it. You just make it part of the organization. And as you do that, more people will start to feel it. And then if, even if it's, look, it's not going to go from like one thing to the next thing overnight. It's just, it's like a boat coming off plane. It's like a slow motion till it comes up. Right. And that's the same shift, but it starts with bringing a lot of awareness to people, modeling it, and then encouraging other people to model that as well, too. I was going to say, yes, encouraging it. And then, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, honoring, I guess, or, or I guess is the best word, but like honoring the work-life presence too, because I do know as leaders, we can say, I've been guilty of this before, Oh yeah, work-life balance, work-life presence, whatever. And then, oh, by the way, I'm emailing you 10 emails and I'm like sitting around wondering why you haven't responded to me. But yeah, so it's a little bit hypocritical Mm -hmm. sometimes if we're not um, clear about what those, again, what those boundaries or where the non-negotiables are, or again, just really making sure you have those conversations on these days. I'm going to be emailing you like crazy and maybe you're not going to have as much work-life present or work-life balance necessarily. But on other days, maybe you're not going to, maybe I'm going to bother you. But anyway, I do, I do think we can, as leaders, get very much caught in that saying, sure, work life balance, work life presence. But yeah, there's also those other list of demands coming. Yeah, I know for me, it's, uh, it's like, um, it, it's very, it's wonderful to say. And then uh, when I'm having, when I'm not involved, I don't care what people are doing, but it's like all of a sudden, if I'm involved in something, I feel the need that everyone else needs to come out of their presence <laughs> yes. and be focused yeah, on exactly. me and what I'm doing. I know. And I think is we, we tend to do that because that's being very um, self-indexed in that way of being like, we talk about this and it's fine as long as I don't need it or when it's convenient for me. But if it's not right. convenient for me, then I expect everyone to do that. And I think that's what you're saying. I think we all kind of yes. experience that. Um, it's like, yes, that's wonderful when it's convenient, I, I think you, you, you can take this to any relationship, right? Well, it's wonderful like, for me. Yes. But <laughs> yes. I need, when I need something, but I now it's something. okay. Now I decided to work at eight o'clock. Now everyone else needs to be working. Right. Cause exactly. it's convenient for me to work at this time. So then let's pull everybody together. And what I would yeah. say to that is, can, I was going to say, can be, can, can be a challenge when everyone does have different schedules. When you allow for that flexibility yeah. in schedules, it, yeah. it can be challenging when someone chooses to work at different hours and they're waiting on somebody to get them something. Yeah. That's why clarity and transparency comes very clear. And again, if any point in time, that's, that's not the right thing, then you kind of sit down and say, okay, what, how do we make this work? So we have both of these things. And I think we, you know, and, and just as an, as an organization, you know, I may choose to work, but I don't, on the weekends, I don't really expect many people at all to be working on the weekends. Um, I, I think our agents are, cause that's just part of the, that's just, that's what they signed up to do. Really? Right. To the most yeah. part. Yeah. Um, but our, a lot of our employees for the most part, like you and I may trade some meetings, but there's no pressure that like something really needs to get done maybe 
five times a year, something that's really urgent that happens there, particularly with probably more around travel or something. But in general, we try to kind of give those times off um, to kind of give people that that kind of that recovery time, if you will, to be able to do those different things. Uh, so I think it's just really kind of clear to be, you just need to be clear on what that, what that looks like for you. But I do think there is, that's, that's so real. Like it's just, it's, it's when it's convenient for you to be off, then everyone should be off. But then when it's not convenient for you, you can't play that way. And I think a lot of us want, will say that. And we actually have convinced ourselves that we're doing that, but we're only doing it when it's convenient for us instead of basically when it's, when it's not convenient for us, you need to say, it doesn't mean you can't still work or send the emails. Just don't expect somebody to do that. And then if they don't do it, don't expect there to be resentment from that. And that's what kind of builds up. If you want to choose to work at eight o'clock or do something that's wonderful, but just understand or early in the morning um, that there may not be a response for a period of time. And that's fine too. Right. And so you just got to, you're the leader. And I think just, you just got to watch yourself and there's that personal growth, right. Of, of all of that. of like, that's an opportunity for you to really kind of work through. So we're going to kind of recap this. Thanks so much for, for hanging with us. The top five kind of leadership trends we're seeing in 2022 is really about the employee, right? Number one, value the individual. Uh, number two is that transparent communication. Number three, personal growth focused on strengths. Four, really celebrating meaningful work um, to the individual. Number five, this kind of work-life presence conversation. Uh, you know, and, and maybe you start with just picking one, right? Like this, you don't have to go out and say, hey, we're going to change all five of these. We're going to bring them in there. You know, maybe you just, you take that kind of framework or, 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 you know, look, this isn't for you to just, you can take it all you want, but this is really designed, this podcast is really designed for you to get you take a different level of action, whatever that means to you. So maybe you, you change up the wording a little bit, or you don't like one and you add your own either way. If it causes you to kind of focus on some of this, then we've done our job. Um, so take a couple of these things and, and see how they fit into your life and then have conversations with your team and see how you can bring them in there and then share them with us. We'd love to know and, and hear your feedback on, on what's working for you in your business. So here's to a 2022. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. I want to let you know that applications are now open for our next session of Project U. Project U is our year-long full immersion training program for leaders and high achievers. Only 25 participants are accepted to the program each year and the results are transformational for every single one of them. Hear what Chris, a participant from our 2020 session, had to say about the program. I'm in a better place now mentally, physically, with my business and with my relationship than I ever could be. I have Project U to thank for that. Well, thank you for that, Chris. Learn more and apply at adamhergenrother.com slash project dash you or find the link in the show notes.